Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you, or your smartphones, or your tablets, uh, to take them and turn with me to Luke chapter 19. That was the passage that was read uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the video. And we're not going to go quite as far as that. One of these days I'm going to have to talk, talk about when Jesus gets angry. But that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to go there today. Um, second thing is, uh, I meant to tell you, you know, we have these new doors. I want to encourage you to use the new doors. So when you're coming on Sunday morning, I want to encourage you to go there. Now, I know we've been using the side door since June of 2019. Okay, so like, I mean, it's been a long time. So it's going to be a new habit for us to, to remember to go in the, the front door. But if you want to, you're welcome to, welcome to do that. I'm going to do a little, something a little different for Palm Sunday this morning. Um, half the sermon is going to be a video. And it's going to uh, uh, talk. Um, there's some things I want you to see in the Palm Sunday story. And it will dovetail into what I'm going to talk about on Good Friday. I'm hoping that you will see some of the purposes of God for your life. Before we get into the video, let me read just a portion of the story again so you hear it clearly. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead were found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying it, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. I want you to hear this story from the perspective of the donkey owner. I'm married to a cat lady. Yeah, you know the type, I don't have to explain. Well, a cat lady, except with donkeys, um, a donkey lady. In the Christian tradition, Palm Sunday is one week before Easter Sunday. It commemorates the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem for what we today call Passion or Holy Week. It is the defining event that begins the countdown of Jesus' time on earth. We live in Bethphage, my wife and I. It's a small village about halfway from Bethany to Jerusalem. It's on the east side of the Mount of Olives. It's not far from the mountaintop. We're not rich, not poor. We're as normal as normal can be. We own a small shop that sells firewood for camping to pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. Our most valuable possession, however, a donkey. Kind of an older donkey, and her foal. It's nearly weaned, never been ridden, and still follows its mother around. Yes, 
I'm irritated at my wife. Wean it, break it, and the cult is worth more. But my wife, it's like it's her precious child. She treats it like a precious child. She won't let me train it, won't even let me touch it. Donkey lady. We make extra money by renting out the donkey to those who are fatigued from walking up the Mount of Olives. And it would double if I could rent out that cult. Traffic has increased due to, um, well, let's just say these are exciting and dangerous times. Weeks ago, uh, less than three miles from here in the village of Bethany, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. I mean, I, I don't know. It's the story, and you don't go making things up like that. Lots of people hope to see Lazarus and, uh, you know, verify what's happened to him. It's a pretty big deal. He was dead for days, four, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's the exciting part. The dangerous, well, I've heard some of the travelers are looking for ways to kill Lazarus, eliminate any trace of Jesus' ability to raise people from the dead. It's just what I've heard. So it's the Sunday before Passover. Already a steady stream of people on the road through a village coming from the countryside to Jerusalem to celebrate. The uh, donkey lady and I are outside preparing to paint some lamb's blood above the door frame and on either side. We've got our hyssop branches to use as paintbrushes. This is not a required part of modern Passover activities, but you know, we like the, the reminder of the Passover story from Exodus. We hear a noise behind us, turn around, two men untying our donkey and the foal, stealing in broad daylight. Hey, I shout. And they freeze, they just stare. What are you doing? can't believe how brazen. I mean, who do you think you are? Right there, right in front of our eyes. I'm getting all amped. You know, I'm a strong guy. I, uh, I chop wood for a living. Size point. This is not happening. No, sir. Not today. Right? One of them says, and his, his voice uh, so soft, well, the Lord needs it. He'll send it back soon. It's like an angel has closed my mouth. I can't say anything. I look at donkey lady. <laughs> she looks at me. We just nod our heads. And the men walk away with our most valuable possessions. Her precious baby. So a little while later, we hear a shout in the distance toward Bethany. And then a crowd comes into view, heading straight toward us, and we can hardly believe our eyes. Some guy is leading our donkey. Behind him, another man rides on our colt, robes draped over the colt like blankets, and he's sitting on top. We expect the colt to bolt toward us, to, to its home, to its manger, you know, to feed. And the colt stays calm, follows its mother, passes us, heads toward Jerusalem. And a huge crowd follows the donkeys. And I, I want an explanation. I pull this man aside. He's reluctant to stop and lose his place, so I walk with him. He tells me the man on the colt is Jesus. And behind him, his apostles and Lazarus. 
And then all the crowds of people and, and some are the ones from Jerusalem who went to verify Lazarus is alive. Some are Passover pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem. Many look like they're from Galilee. Others are local from Bethany. And I walked a donkey lady who is smiling from ear to ear, by the way, and I point. It's the Lord. It's, it's Jesus. She just beams. He needs, he needs our donkey. And it's like a punch to the gut. Can this be the Messiah? The Lord who created the universe needs something? He needs something that we can give him? Ordinary people, a, a donkey lady and her husband meeting the Lord's need? I race to catch up with my donkeys, with Jesus. I reach him just as he crests the Mount of Olives and comes to a stop. And the noise of the crowd washes over and down the west side of the Mount of Olives. The uproar crashes into the Kidron Valley and onto the east side of the Temple Mount, echoing back to the Mount of Olives over an area so large, hundreds of acres with thousands of campfires. They smoke like pots of incense, fires of sacrifice. And the sun behind us reflects off of the golden temple in front of us through the smoke of more fires of sacrifice. Jesus rides down the west side of the Mount of Olives and people throw palm branches onto the path in front of him. And some throw their cloaks on the ground and the crowds nearest Jesus, they're just, they're delirious with joy. And some of us know and some of us don't, but Jesus is fulfilling the prophecies of Isaiah and Zechariah about the king of Israel entering Jerusalem. And, and our unridden cult is a critical piece of the prophecy. Jesus needed our cult to fulfill prophecy. The people around the fires in the huge valley, they look up at Jesus and they see him as their king their Messiah, they cheer, chant, chant verses from the scriptures. Hosanna, blessed is, is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Hosanna to the Son of David. And Jesus goes down the steep path and the sound of the thousands of people, it's, it's overwhelming. Some of the Pharisees at the front of the crowd you know, they're furious. They know the crowd is acknowledging Jesus is the Messiah. They rebuke Jesus. They try to get him to quiet the crowd. With a look on his face, I can only describe as sublime. He says, if the crowd is made to be quiet, the very stones on the ground will shout out. The triumphant crowd approaches Jerusalem and Jesus steps down from the donkey full and uh, quietly tells one of his apostles, take it back to its owner. I mean, I hear him. So I step up, I take my two donkeys. Jesus smiles and, and he says four words to me. You met 
my need. Why is Donkey Lady not with me? What a moment. And I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and try to recreate it for her. So I start back to the house and uh, the crowd stops. Jesus sits on the ground. And I'm pretty certain he's, he's crying. I only hear a few tearful words, a lament over Jerusalem. And then I'm swallowed up by the crowd. I reach home. I hug her. She is the reason we were able to meet the Lord's need. And I tell her that. She was right to keep the cult unridden. I tell her that. I tell my wife. We keep track of Jesus over the next several weeks. It's hard to do, not because of lack of information, but because it's hard to tell truth from fiction. For the first week, Jesus teaches at the temple every day, always in conflict with the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders finally have enough, and they arrest Jesus, and they arrange for the Romans to execute him. Crucifixion. The body of Jesus disappears. The Jewish leaders say that his apostles stole the body. The rumor among the people is that Jesus rose from the dead. And then reports that Jesus is seen by hundreds of people, not just his followers. He is seen in Jerusalem and in Galilee. It's been about seven weeks since Jesus rode our donkey. and We've decided to keep the cult, to never Never let it be written again. Well, my wife still treats it like a precious child. For seven Sundays, I lead the cult to the top of the Mount of Olives. I relive in detail every moment of the day we met the need of Jesus. When I come to the top of the mountain, I just, I just stand there, remembering the fires and the shouts, the palm leaves on the path, and then I return home with a feeling of disappointment for six Sundays. But on the seventh Sunday, in the distance, is a group of men. I take the colt, and we go. And as we get close, I see it's Jesus. With his apostles, I am only about a stone's throw away. And Jesus starts rising in the air. He goes into the clouds and disappears. I walk toward the apostles and there are these two men in dazzling white clothes approaching. Galileans, why are you standing there looking into the sky? This same Jesus will return in the same way he went into heaven. The apostles break out in praise and happiness and they and they smile at me. They remember the cult. At least I think they do. But then they head to Jerusalem. I return home with the cult to my wife. He's gone now. He's really gone. I tell her of the story of Jesus rising in the air. She doesn't even seem surprised. We were willing to meet his need. 
she says. And many people were blessed. I know that should make me feel better, but I'm, I'm sad. It is gone. Now, we will meet the needs of his followers, she says. I'm so glad I married a donkey lady. Jesus says when we help others in his name, we are helping him, meeting his need, meeting the need of the Lord God of the universe. met my need. A couple days after Jesus rode into Jerusalem and before he was crucified, he taught this to his disciples. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will uh, be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from the other, as sheep separates a sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and his goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did, I, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit, go to visit you? King will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You met my need. You know, we don't often think about God as having needs, and in one sense, in a theological sense, he doesn't. God is perfect and self-contained. He cannot be added to or taken away from. In, in a sense, he has nothing, no need of anything. He is complete. Yet on that first Palm Sunday, Jesus told the disciples to tell the donkey owner, the Lord has need of it. And you know... And I know that God has chosen to act in this world through people. When you feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty and provide hospitality to the stranger and clothe the poor, when you visit the sick and the prisoner, when you meet these kind of needs, you meet the needs of God. You meet my need. This next thing is attributed to Teresa of Avila. She put it this way. This is the, Christ has no body but yours. 
No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the, are, are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, yours are his body. Christ is, has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Church, I, I love how last week and this week you have donated to people in need in our congregation. Delivered 246 pounds last week, and obviously there's more to go this week. I love how you gave over $3,000 to refugees in the fleeing Ukraine. When you do things like that, you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. But here's something I want you to think about. Our view of, of the world has changed significantly since the time of Jesus. It has been said that there's more information in one Sunday edition of the New York Times than a person would have encountered in a whole lifetime in Jesus' time. Because we have access to so much information, we know a lot about the crises on the other side of the world. Not only do we know about the humanitarian disasters in the Ukraine, but also about the brewing famine in, in, in southern Ethiopia. Don Miller with Tear Fund told us about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, there will be many more of these kind of situations happening as food prices go up around the world. And it's good that we help when we can in these places. However, in Jesus' time, they wouldn't have heard so much about famines on the other side of the world when people talked, heard him talk about the poor and the imprisoned and the hungry. They would have heard him talking about the people who live in their town or the next village over. Jesus was urging them to meet the needs around them. He was urging them to meet the needs they encountered in their daily life. And one of the weird things about Canada is this. Canada is cold. And we spread, spend five or six months of the year inside. What that means is there are many needs in our community that are hidden behind closed doors. The poor, the marginalized, the hidden away. There are way too many people who commit suicide, or die from a drug overdose in our community. There are too many homeless youth and lonely seniors. There are too many people who are grieving and alone and hurting and alone. Yeah, I, if you come to this church regularly, you know I spend a lot of time talking about being in right relationship with God. That's the beginning of everything. But when God's kingdom come and his will is done, when we walk in right relationship with him, we do that in order to help fix a broken world. Matthew 25, 
For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. You needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you, you looked after me. I was a prisoner and you came to visit me. We become the hands and feet of Jesus. Our faith was never meant to be limited to the confines of our church, our church building, or our private lives. Our faith was, was meant to change us so that we can, in a small way, contribute to changing the world around us for the better. We live in a world that is broken. I believe that as we listen to God together, there will be a time when God says, I have need of your donkey, or your car, or your talents, or your time. He'll ask, will you be my hands and my feet in your community? I see it in you. When that happens, I, I hope that you'll remember the donkey owner. When you feel that call, I hope that you'll remember the donkey owner who met the need of Jesus. Usually Palm Sunday sermons are focused on worship and praise and adoration of Jesus. But what I've said connects there too. Let me give Jesus the last words. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the story where we're reminded that you told the donkey, Lord, I, I have need of it. And so, Lord, help us when you ask for our time and talent to also say, I have need of it. Uh, and respond like the, the donkey owner did. Lord, I pray these things. I pray a blessing on your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.